The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcaurora.com So, uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. A minister uh, was in Italy, and he saw the grave of a man who had died centuries before, who was an unbeliever and completely against Christianity, but a little afraid of it too. So the man had a huge marble stone slab put over his grave. The grave, he put the slab on top of the grave, this huge marble slab, put it over his grave so that in case there really was a resurrection, he wouldn't be able to come out. He had insignias put all over the slab saying, I do not want to be raised from the dead. I don't believe in it. Evidently, when he was buried, a small acorn fell in the grave. A hundred years later, the acorn had grown up through the grave, split the slab, and it was now a tall, towering oak tree. The minister looked at it and asked, if an acorn, which has just the power of biological life in it, if this acorn could split a slab of that magnitude, what do you think an acorn of God's resurrection power could do in a person's life? The minute... Christ came into our lives. Do you know that the power of the Holy Spirit came into our lives as well? It is the power of the resurrection. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling within us. Think about these things as you see immovable slabs in your life right now. You might think of some that are just, it just seems immovable. You just cannot get rid of these things in our lives. You, see, you might see bitterness, insecurity, fears, self-doubt, all of these things. Those things can absolutely be split and rolled off of your life. Because the more you know Christ, the more you will grow in the power of his resurrection. It's amazing to think about that. that. This illustration really stuck with me this week because I'm just like, yeah, if the small acorn could bust a hole in that slab, what is a small little piece of God's resurrection power, what, what that could do in the life of a Christian? But we don't just have a small acorn of the resurrection power in our lives. Family, we have the Holy Spirit in our lives. The power of the resurrection, this definitely plays a role in Christianity today. Anytime we look at the scriptures and we see things like we are dead, yet we live, but it's the power of God working within our lives, we got to understand that this is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and this power is now dwelling and working in our lives. And it's more than just an acorn. Way more than just an acorn. So, some of you be like, really, Shane? Does the Bible really say that? Romans chapter 8, verse 11. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. This is a huge, marvelous thing, family. It's really, really think about this. This is a marvelous, marvelous thing. And yet, we still whine, we still pine for a life with the world that did not include the power of the Holy Spirit. This world that we're wanting to be a part of does not deliver on what it promised. It still doesn't give what it advertises. It still drives us like a taskmaster. It still lies to us. It still deceives us. And it still abuses us when it apologizes. Like many of the abuse today, after it apologizes, we go back to it. Why do we display this pattern of behavior when it comes to the world in which we are dead to right now? We are Christians. If we're a Christian today, we are dead to this world. We are dead to this world. All Christians are dead to this world, yet we live. For us as Christians today, this life that we see before us is not our real life. Let me say that again. This life that we see before us, it is not our real life. Because in reality, we're essentially ghosts to this world. Ghosts to this world. So why is it that we still desire what the world offers? Even though our Lord tells us that everything in this world, apart from Christ, is absolutely meaningless. Everything, right? We talked about gold, right? We talked about the idea of gold. You know, I mean, you you just, if there was a pot of gold just laying in the street right here on 6th Avenue, how many of us here at Central Baptist Church would be climbing over other members of Central Baptist Church to get some? We're Christians, and many Christians today are chasing leprechauns at the end of the rainbow. But this is, God has made something very, very clear to us when it comes to gold. Gold is the thing we're going to walk on when we're in heaven. That's what God thinks about gold. The gold is his, the silver is his. Apart from Christ, everything is meaningless. We still do not seek wisdom more than gold, even though the scriptures tell us that the scriptures are more precious than gold, that wisdom is more precious than rubies. The problem that we need to figure out is why is the world so much more attractive to us than the grace that Christ provides? Why? Christ is telling us that his grace is sufficient for us, but by our actions, it's almost like we're telling him that it's really not. So many of us are willing to be disobedient and and disengage with the Lord for the things of the world. Why are we still seeking satisfaction and significance when we already have all we need for life and godliness? Again, is it unbelief? Is it because we just don't believe it? I mean, in the end, it's like, yeah, Shane, you say that the scriptures are more precious than gold, but yeah, right. Well, but God says that. Yeah, I know he says that. Do we not believe it? The reality is, we still feel as if all we have had before us is our real life 
as Christians. Many of us will struggle with that. We still feel like this is our real life. And it's not. We believe that when we became Christians, many people will think, well, yeah, I became a Christian. All my problems should have gone away. But it didn't. You know, some of you are shaking your head. Yeah, because some of you guys, when you guys became Christians, that's when the problem started. <laughs> right? Problems didn't go away. What about all the bliss and blessing of heaven that I'm supposed to have right now? I mean, we make fun of the idea of living our best life now today, but many of us really do still have that philosophy in the back of our minds, and we still secretly hope that God will give us our inheritance now, just like the younger brother in the story of the prodigal son. All we got to do is pray hard enough. If we just obey hard enough, if we just sacrifice hard enough, we will get our inheritance now. And I hate beating a dead horse, but I just got to do it because I want to make sure that we get this. Many still ask the Lord for wealth every day. But why do we keep asking for it when the Lord warns us in Scripture that wealth could actually put you in the place where you believe that you don't need God anymore and you will actually deny Him? If somebody said, here's something, I have something in the back of my hands that I could give you right now that could potentially make you deny Jesus and make you feel like you don't need him anymore. Would you take it? But what if I pulled it out, opened it up, and it was $2 million cash? People would think, hey, man, you're crazy. This is the answer to my prayer right here. This is the point. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 8 to 9. First, help me never to tell a lie. Second, give me neither poverty nor riches. Give me just enough to satisfy my needs. For if I grow rich, I may deny you and say, who is the Lord? Why would we want this? But yet we still do it. We still want to be rich. We struggle with what I like to call the Esau epidemic. <laughs> the Esau epidemic. Because remember what Esau did? He traded away his birthright for a what? A bowl of stew. A bowl of stew. Is that not what we're doing today? Trading, yes, Shane, I know that, you know, I would have all these riches in heaven, but I need some of that stuff now. But all of these things is just a vapor. It's a mist, according to Solomon. So we're willing to trade away everything that we would inherit just so that we can have a little bit of money, just so that we can have a little bit of life, just so that we can have a little bit of pleasure, a little bit of comfort, a little bit of luxury, a little bit of stew, and we'll trade our entire life away. I mean, I did have one individual tell me, yeah, Shane, you know what, if, you know, he, he saw the video on YouTube and he was just like, yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll, yeah, if the devil wants to give me more, I'll serve him. Yeah, so you're going to burn in hell for eternity. And he's just like, yeah, but at least I'll have luxury and pleasure and power in life. There was a guy, a story that was told about a guy who did this. A guy who actually made that really clear, got up in front of all his friends, let him know that. Do you know that um, he, he was, in a, in a sense, I, I guess it was something like a video, and he was making his, you know, denying the Holy Spirit, and he was making his deal with the devil. 
And all this, this thing that, you know, it's the devil is going to promise me all this blessing, all these riches if I serve him. And the story goes that he was hit by a car the next day and was killed. So could you imagine that? All the money in the world just fell into your lap and the next day you get hit by a car and die. It, it's amazing what it is that we do and the things that we would trade for the bowl of stew. And when it came down, when it came down to the blessings, <laughs> oh man, was Esau upset. But Shane, you, it, it's okay with me. You don't have to worry about me. I'm not going to be like that. If God gives me $100 million today, I'm not going to be like that. I'm not going to deny him. I'm not going to do any of that stuff. I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. You know, what did I say our biggest hurdle in our culture is today? Self-deception. We say that, but are we deceiving ourselves? Let's not lie to ourselves today. We think that we're doing what is right and pure, but the real reason is bad. We've got wrong motives and the Lord is not fooled. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2. Proverbs 16, 2. People may be pure in their own eyes, but the Lord examines their motives. The self-deception is a result of us still wanting to be part of this world. Every morning, I think many of us wake up and we imagine ourselves sitting on that rock in the ocean, looking at the world, singing out of the sea. I wish I could be part of that world. And when you sing world, you put your hands up on the rock like this and a big wave comes and crashes. You guys didn't see the movie, did you? The Little Mermaid. Yeah, yeah, okay. Family, we are dead to the world, but we can be free from wanting to be a part of it. And the scriptures are going to help us with it today. So Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 4. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all its glory. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that it continues to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you're taking notes, the first thing we're going to look at today is the truth of our real life that is actually veiled in Christ. The second thing we're going to consider is the glorious day that when Christ is revealed to the world, we will be revealed as well. And the last thing, the gospel shows us that our new life is his life and a life more abundant. So our thesis statement today is this. Again, my thesis statement is always me trying to summarize the entire sermon in one sentence. Though sin and the pattern of this world cause us to yearn for our former life, it is the power of the Holy Spirit and the mind-renewing truth of Scripture that will cause us to desire our new life with Christ and his future glory more than the world can offer. Point number one, our real life a life that is hidden in Christ. So this idea, kind of uh, in translation sense, it, the errorist, it's you know, simple past action. They were putting their previous way of life to death and having it buried out of sight. 
When we had become Christians, there was something that we did that made it very clear. Putting our old life away. This is not my life anymore. I have a new life in Christ. Every single Christian, if you are a Christian, if you haven't done this, uh, we need to talk after service today. There is something that we did that symbolized the very thing I'm talking about today. Dying with Christ and rising to newness of life. Do you all know what that is? It's called baptism. This is what would say, when we were up there in front of everybody, it symbolized this very thing. We died to this world. We died. Death, it's all behind us. Our former life is behind us, no longer affecting my life, no longer ahead of me, no longer a thing in my sight, no longer of this world, even though I'm still in this world. Everything that I had that had to do with my previous life, our previous endeavors, our previous values, it is over, it is gone, it has nothing to do with us anymore. Period. We are now dead to this world. We are ghosts to this world. Christians, we are ghosting this world. You guys ever heard that? People say that all the time. Why are you ghosting me, man? Yeah, when it comes to this world, we're ghosting it. We are ghosting this world. After baptism, it is clear that the previous way of life is of no consequence to our new way of life that we have in Christ. None. Absolutely nothing. Do we believe that? Whatever covenant and ties the world and the former ways had upon us, do you know that it's actually gone? There's none. We don't have it anymore. When you became a Christian, it is broken. Just like a covenant that's made between a man and a woman is broken when someone dies. You have died to the world. The covenant, the ties, all of these things have been broken because we have died to this world. When your spouse dies, you are no longer bound to anything with them. Same thing with the world. We are bound to nothing. Dr. Dunn writes, they have been freed by that one act to live a quite different kind of life. Determined not by their old fears and loyalties, but their new and primary loyalty to Christ and by the enabling which comes from on high. New life we have now. Our old life is dead. No longer before us. And then, this is why I think sometimes we struggle with this. Because here comes the next part that maybe might explain a little bit why we struggle with knowing our real life in Christ. The understanding of our real lives being hidden in Christ is significant. Oh, this is huge. When he talks about our lives, our real lives are hidden in Christ. Crypto, where we get our word cryptic, right? It envisions a hiding or a shadowing. Our real life is hidden. It's hiding. It's being shadowed in Christ. So, okay, so it's, it's um, not being able to see it, to live it, be, 
and, and um, because of the crypto, the cryptic hiding that's happening when it comes to our real life. So we're not able to see our real life because we're looking for it in the way the world looks for things, right? I mean, this is the thing that's interesting. When it comes to us being convinced of stuff, and this happens a lot when it comes to, to talking, and especially when it comes to like apologetics and stuff. It's funny how we use the world's methods to see this. You know, well, you know, Shane, I, I see this whole thing when it comes to life, but you know, if, if I don't see it, you know, it's, just, it's hard to believe that stuff. If I can't touch it, I, I don't really believe it. If I can't smell it, I, I don't really believe it. If I can't taste it, I don't really believe it. This is how the world discovers things, right? This is how the world finds out if things are true. You know, that's why people have a hard time believing in, in God and Christianity and all this kind of stuff because I don't have tangible evidence. Well, we got tons of that stuff. We don't have, you know, tangible evidence. I just, if I can't see him, if I can't see God, if I can't touch God, I can't taste God, I can't smell God, I can't taste there's no God, you know, so we look at it that way. See, what happens with Christianity is we get stuck in that rut where we're trying to see things and understand things the way the world sees things and the way the world understands things, but we don't have that life anymore. We have a new life that we have in Christ. We don't see things the way the world sees things anymore. Well, what do you mean, Shane? It's this thing called faith. I can't see it. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. I can't smell it. I can't, I'm missing one. Hear it. I can't hear it. Okay, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I got all the senses out, right? <laughs> touch, taste, hearing, you know, all that stuff. I can't hear it, so therefore I don't believe it. But you believe it, Shane. You talk about this new life that you have. I can't see it. I can't taste it, I can't touch it, I can't smell, I can't do it. I don't see all of these types of things, but yet you still believe it? Yeah. Do you know why? Because I am not led by my senses. I'm not led by the evidence of the world. I'm not led by scientific proofs. I'm not led by rationalism. I am led by the word of God. I can't see it, but I believe it because the Lord said it. Ooh, man. Can I, can I preach today? I'm going to preach today. Because the Lord said it. Not being able to see it. It's all these things. There's a hidden reality, but I believe that this is a reality because God said it. And God, and the God that I serve, does not lie. And I have an entire record in the Old Testament, New Testament, that God has never lied. All his promises are yes and amen. So if we're trying to see and recognize our new life in Christ, but it's hidden, the scriptures show us how we are to see it when it's veiled. We believe that we have a wonderful new life with Christ because the word of God says so, and we believe that is so. And that's the question. Is that enough? I think, I think that's kind of the big thing for us, right? Is that enough? Because the world is saying, I don't see it, but we as Christians, we say, I do. Why? Because the Lord said so. That's why. Why can't we do that with God when we, we do that with our, with our, you know, just in life with our, our parents? Just take our regular, our fathers growing up, you know? 
Like sometimes like, hey, I got a birthday present. I got a birthday present for you. Oh yeah, I don't see it. Right? How many of you guys had parents at Christmas time hid the presents and didn't put it under the tree? You know, so like Christmas Eve, <laughs> Frank. <laughs> yeah, me too. Christmas Eve comes, right? And then you're looking, you run out, look at the tree, and it's just like, there's only four presents, Mom. And there's one, two, three, four. There's five of us. It's one of those mine. Where's all the presents, you know? They, they hit it. <laughs> but mom and dad says, there's presents. There's more presents. You know, they, they, they like to do the, the Santa Claus thing. So, you know, all that kind of stuff. But you didn't see it, but you knew it was there. Because mom and dad said so. And sure enough, we wake up the next morning, you know, and then trying to make us think that, you know, did you guys hear the reindeer on the roof last night? Mom, we live in a condo. <laughs> We don't live on the penthouse. Uh, anyway, um, you guys, you know, all that. <laughs> anyway, but you wake up, come out the next morning, blam, you know, 30 presents under the tree. You just knew. You didn't see, but you knew, but you believed. Why is it that we can't do that with God? We don't see, so we don't believe. When the Bible makes it clear, blessed are you who have not seen, yet still believe. Because we believe God's word. We believe God's word. And, and, and we do we live in a society where, where, you know, where bonds are broken all the time, where lies are told all the time. I mean, how many of y'all were deceived by something, you know, <laughs> this past week? You know, you, you said, hey, you know, I want, can you make sure that there's like some, you know, some good, some of that old, that good old fashioned, you know, homemade guacamole in that burrito? Yeah, I promise, I'll get that in there. And then you get home, you open it up, and it's not there. And we think that promises just don't mean anything anymore. we got to change that, family. we got to change that, man. Because if somebody comes up and says something to you, you want to just bank on that, right? If they say, hey, I'm going to do this for you, you want to just be able to bank on that. But in our society, we just don't do that anymore, right? It's just like, look, you do this, and I'll do this for you. You can count on it, and I make a promise. Uh Uh-uh, no way, dude, I want that in writing. No way, dude, I want that in writing, and I want a video to go along with that. Not only do I want that in writing... Not only do I want in a video of that, I want you to take it to Linda Johnson so she can notarize it too. You know what I'm saying? We can't just take anybody's word anymore. And I think sometimes it affects how we think when it comes to God. God makes promises and it's just like, I don't know. People make a lot of promises. I can assure you one thing. God is not like man. His word and his promises are yes and amen. So Christian, you never, never, never trust your eyes more than the word of God. You never, never, never trust your senses more than the word of God. You never trust the ways and the philosophies of the world more than you trust the word of God. Why? Because in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, Romans chapter 4, 17, this is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. You see what I'm saying? 
when God says he's going to do something, we doubt it, but do we realize that the person who's telling you that he's going to do it is somebody who's actually able to create something out of nothing? Oh yeah, Shane, you don't see it there, but it will be there. I don't see how. I mean, uh, how is this going to happen? This, there's just nothing there. You're just going to make it appear? Yeah. That's our God. Nothing. Let me tell you something today. <laughs> Did you know that nothing is all God needs to create something? And not just something, family. Something amazing. I was having a, a conversation. I mean, this is kind of a funny conversation. I was having a conversation with a, a girl that, uh, 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 one of my family members, I shouldn't say girl because I don't want you guys thinking nothing. A family member who's single and, I'm, and you know, I'm related to her. I'm, I'm counseling her because she is frustrated that she can't find a, a, a spouse. She can't find a husband. So we're talking, we're talking, and she, and we just, it was a really funny conversation because it got to the place where it's just like, you know, Shane, I've been looking, I've been looking, I just can't find it, it's just this happened, it's just, and there's just no guys in this world anymore. And, and, and that might be true, <laughs> there's no guys in this world anymore. So anyway, we're talking about this stuff, and then she said, she, she goes, there's just nothing there, there's no leads, there's nothing. So Shane, are you actually trying to tell me that I'm just supposed to trust God on this and just believe it? And she's just like, yes. I said, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. So are you telling me that God is just going to all of a sudden snap his fingers and boom, Mr. Wright is just going to appear? It was really funny. <laughs> I quote the scripture. This happened because Abraham believed in God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things. Out of nothing. So can he do that? Yes, he can. I don't know if I would want to date somebody that just appeared out of nothing. But if you're asking me if he can, yeah. Can God do this? Yes. God is able to do the impossible. And that power lives within us because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. But it's veiled, but it won't remain. Point number two, we will be revealed. You know what that means? That means the veil is going to be removed. In verse four, the scriptures illuminate this wonderful event that Christians for a thousand years have now been waiting for. For thousands of years, Christians all over the world has been waiting for this one magnificent event to take place. All my older family, they all believe, everybody believes it's going to happen in our lifetime. <laughs> Even the younger generation is saying, ah, it's going to happen in my lifetime. Yeah, this is your lifetime. Well, not yet. I, I want to have children first. Um, what event are we talking about? We're talking about the return of Christ. Family, Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back, and it is going to be extraordinary. He is going to come back, and every eye is going to see this. Everyone in the world is going to witness this. What an extraordinary thing that's going to take place, an extraordinary thing that's going to happen. 
absolutely amazing. We see the reality of Christ coming from his throne in heaven to be phroneo, revealed to the world. Christ, Christ is coming. We are all waiting in eager expectation. Hopefully you guys are like me where we pray every day, come Lord Jesus. We want Christ to come. And in our prayer, after we pray this, we are waiting for the trumpets of God to sound and the dead in Christ will rise and all those who remain will be transformed and caught up in the air to meet him in the air. Is that going to be an awesome moment or what? Okay, I'm not going to, I want to preach on that, but I'm not going to preach on that right now. I have to move on. But what an awesome thing. What an awesome thing that is. Awesome thing that's going to be, man. You know, when they got horns these days, when they honk the horn and it sounds like trumpets, I'm like, well. Oh, okay, sorry, sorry. Just a car, just a car. One day, it's going to be. But when that day comes, when that glorious day comes, I think, family, we are going to be, uh, we are going to be so uh, engaged at that moment when Christ comes. We are just going to be so focused on Christ. We are just going to be captivated by this event. And all this transformation stuff happens and we meet Christ in the air, all these amazing things that's going to happen. We are going to so, be so captivated with Christ that we're not going to realize that something else amazing is happening. This is what the scripture is telling us today. That this is amazing. Christ is going to be revealed to the world. We're going to be caught up. If, we, if we've already passed away the dead, we are going to rise up. No matter what marble slab you have guarding your grave, that thing is going to bust. That thing is going to explode and you are going to come out of the grave and you're going to meet Christ in the air. We're going to be so captivated and so fixed on what Christ has done that we're not going to realize something very, very important has just happened. Not only will Christ be revealed to the world, but the veil over our real life will be taken away. The life that's hidden with Christ will be revealed on that day. It will be revealed on that day. When Christ appears, we will appear with him and we will share in his glory before the whole world. His people. His people. Uh, Dr. Doug Moo, he writes, So Paul suggests at the present time our heavenly identity is real, but it's hidden. We have certainly not been physically transported to heaven, nor do we who belong to the heaven, or do we belong to the heavenly realm, look any different from those around us who still belong to this world. But verse 4 affirms that this will one day change. Family, one day it's not going to be hidden anymore. One day our real life is going to be revealed for the whole world to see. And we will be there with Christ. Not just hanging out, but sharing in his glory. Man. But we doubt. Why do we doubt? Because we can't see? Because we can't see it? It is the glorious future that our Lord promises to us. 
We who are those who are his and we who trust in his word, trusting in this, glory, this glorious thing that we await with eager expectation. First John chapter 3, verse 2. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But when we do, but, but we do know, see, they know, we know that we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is. Family, we're going to be like Christ. We're going to be like Christ. Death has no power over us. It's amazing. It's amazing that death doesn't have any power over us. Family, that when it comes to the thing, when, it, when all of us are at that moment, when it's time for us to walk the valley of the shadow of death, when we're in that season, when we're in that moment, when we are about to walk through the doors of death, Everybody is going, well, my life is over. All this is it. It was great while it lasted. If you are a Christian, you walk through that door and you say, I'll see you again. Death is not the end. It's not the end. I guarantee you, I'm going to be raised again. And we're going to be raised in newness and our real life is going to be revealed. And Charlie, you and I are going to have more hair. I'm believing it. (laughs) Resurrected in newness, walking with Christ. There's no death. We don't fear death. We don't, because we know it's not the end. We know it's not the end. And Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, Philippians 3.20, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. What an amazing event that's going to happen. This glorious, wonderful event that will happen for those of us who are his. So let us remember and keep that in our hearts and our minds for us to daily not fix our minds and our thoughts on the material things of this world. We don't whine and pine for the things of this world because this is all going to be gone. It's all going to be gone. And, all, and, and, the, and the reality is, is the bio, as Jesus makes it very clear, the Father tells us that everything in the world is His. And you know He also said that everything that's mine is yours. So we strive not... For these things, we strive to seek the scriptures and pray for our minds, and, and we set our minds on things above. We hold the scriptures close to our hearts to reflect on our past history and to rejoice in the anticipation of the future that we are going to have in Him. If you are seeking the world, this is all that there is. Do you know that? It's all that there is. I remember reading an article about Steve Jobs and about all the stuff that he has, all the stuff that he acquired, all the things that he lived for, everything that he had done, all the successes that he had, and he was talking about how this is the life, and this is the, the goal, this is the American dream, this is what we strive for. I'm not saying I know where Steve Jobs is, but one thing I am going to say is everything that he got, he didn't take with him.
if that's the best the world can offer, family, that's really not a lot. Are you serious? You know, I have a friend of mine who's, who's very wealthy, travels the world. You know, I always say, yeah, well, you know what? If I have a lot of money, I can travel. He's, he says, Shane, I've seen everything already. I don't know where else to go. <laughs> I don't know where else to go. I've seen everything already. I've seen it more than once. I'm bored. They get bored of things in the world. So you know what he was telling me? He goes, you know what? I'm so, I'm bored. You know what I haven't seen in a long time is you. I think the next trip I do, uh, you know, I'm going to take my private jet and I'm going to go hang out with you and the kids and see the kids. He's never seen my kids. He's bored. <laughs> it doesn't get you much. And we're seeking after these things and it doesn't get you much. But did you know a child of God, child of God, what we're seeing here in the world is not even a taste of what the Lord has in store for us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. That is what the scriptures means when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. You don't even know. You can't even comprehend. We can't even fathom what God has in store for those who love him. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20, now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or even think according to the power at work within us. He threw that in there. According to the power that's already dwelling within you. There is so much more in Christ than in Christ alone. Why are we yearning for the rotten crumbs that fall from the table of the world when we have so much more in Christ? So much more in Christ. I mean, think about it. I mean, some of us, let's, I mean, just think. I mean, we're, we're whining and pining. We're fighting. We're, you know, all this stuff for the things of the world. But really, you know, for some of us, it's not like a lot of time left. I mean, for me, I'm, I'm guessing maybe another 30 years, 40 years maybe, 40 years, is that right? Yeah, may, well, 40 might be pushing it. <laughs> I mean, some of us just, you know what I'm saying? So we're doing all of this stuff for 40 years. For those of you that know, for those of you that have been alive for a while, 40 years, does it not go like that? <laughs> Yearning, pining, willing to sacrifice everything, sacrifice relationships, sacrifice things, sacrifice things that matter just so that we can have some glimmer of, 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 a, of a crumb that fell from the table and it's going to vanish like that. When family, this is just a small blink of an eye compared to eternity and the Lord has so much in store for us. Let's not walk away from this. And not just that. Let's walk around this world like we know it's true. I even said that to one individual. You know, there was, you know I, I, I talked a little bit about the album thing, about how people email me and they say really nice things. It's not everybody. People say some of the meanest, nastiest things to me online about this kind of stuff. 
And it's, you know, you know what? It's just like, yeah, that's fine. You can, you can say what it is that you want for, about me. You can call me a loser. You can call me this. You can call me that. You can call me the, the, you know, the worst than the crawling insects in the world, all this kind of, he can call me all of those types of things. But essentially, family, one day when Christ comes, my real life is going to be revealed. And behold, he will see a king of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, you can kick me, you can beat me, you can say stuff, and you can do all of these things to me right now in this world. And I'm going to let you know, the only reason why you're able to do this is because God is letting you do this. And you better believe that my daddy up there, if he thinks it's time for me to be defended, you better believe he's coming. He's not called the God of heaven's armies for nothing. Oh yeah, you think? Well, yeah, I'll get my posse. I'll get my boards, my boys together. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> you can you shoot your 22 at God. <laughs> we have and we get so much more. But why all the struggle, the sanctification, the testing, suffering, discipline, the warnings, the withholdings? Because here, family, here's the deal. The reason why God will allow people to do this to me, the reason why God will allow these things to happen to us is because of this very thing right here. Because Christians, not only do we have so much more, God called us to be so much more. Yeah, he's got a lot that he wants us to have. He's got a lot that he wants to bless us with. But do you know that our Heavenly Father, expects, expects, he expects us to be so much more. And why not? Why not? Seriously, just think about that. It says, well, I don't know, man, if that's fair. If God, we become Christians, God's going to expect me to do all of these things. He expects me to love my enemy. Do you know how hard that is? God expects me to love the people that say bad things to me on social media. God expects me to love the other political party. God expects me to love our leaders. God expects me to pray for our leaders. God expects me to do it. He just asks for the impossible. I get this a lot. Why does God ask the impossible of me? My response to people that say that is this. Why not? Why not? You know why? Because we're the only ones that can do it. Why is it that we're the only ones that can do it? Not because of you, but because of who's living in you. You can do the impossible because the power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells within you. Oh yes, God expects us to do the impossible. Because the Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are able to do the impossible. We are able to overcome. We're able to stand when everybody falls. We're able to rejoice when everybody curses. We're able to praise the Lord in the midst of a storm. And when they threaten us with death, and everyone is afraid and everyone is willing to do, you know, whatever it is that they need to do to keep themselves alive and all this stuff, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. Because every one of you, Christian today, in the grave, 
you're alive or you're in the grave. It does not matter. The dead in Christ will rise again. Man. The world should see transcendence in us. The world should see that we overcome. The world should be asking you, man, this is so messed up what's going on. And, 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 and Shane, you're walking around smiling all the time. Why are you walking around smiling all the time? And I've been working on that. Been stressed the last couple of weeks, but I've been working on that. Walking around with a smile on my face. And an individual said that to me the other week. My response was, because in the end, he was expecting me to say, everything's going to be okay. And I didn't. Because remember, I told you I'm not going to say that anymore. When people say, Dad, are we going to be okay? Shane, are we going to be okay? Is everything going to be okay? My response is always this. God is going to be glorified. Is everything going to be okay? God is going to be glorified. And if God is glorified in my suffering, then blessed be the name of the Lord. If God is going to be glorified in my hardship, then blessed be the name of the Lord. If God is going to be glorified in my death, then blessed be the name of the Lord. Amen. Family. He is my life. Christ has not come just to bring life. Christ came to bring life more abundant. And in that work, Christ has made his life our life. Verse 4 says that Christ is our life. He is our all. He is our everything. But it is the power of sin in the flesh that causes us to yearn for the ways and things of this world that when it's combined with our ignorance and unbelief, it causes us to disengage with Christ, disengage with God the Father, and cling to the ways of the world. We like sheep have gone astray, each of us to his own way. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is no one on earth who's always righteous and does or who does good and never sins. If you you break even the smallest of the commandments. You are as guilty as someone who's broken them all, and the wages of sin is death, family. This is for real. Sin is a real thing, and it's serious. The eternal wrath of God is real. Can we be saved? Oh, you bet we can. But I know this may sound bizarre when I say things like this, you know, when I talk about the gospel and things like that, because you would expect, a, a person also came up to me this week and asked me the question, like, hey, hey, Shane, man, I'm, I go to church, and you know, when I go to church, I, I like it because you guys preach, and then you guys inspire me, and I, and I leave church, and I just don't want to sin anymore. And I just, and I stop sinning. And so I go to church every day, and I just stop sinning, I just stop sinning. And then I, I just, you know, don't sin as much. And so I, I sin less than I did the week before. And I just, you know, I'm just doing all this stuff and I just don't sin anymore. I just don't sin anymore. And it's just like, I'm just so happy that God's not going to send me to hell because, you know, I haven't sinned as much. I'm like, bro, I, I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. <laughs> I do. You sound really excited telling me about this. But I hate to burst your bubble. <laughs> but have you sinned? Oh, yeah, I've sinned. I just don't sin as much. I, I, yeah, I, I get you. But do you know that if you've broken even the smallest of the commandments, you are as guilty as someone who's broken all of it? Oh, I didn't know that. 
but, but I'm trying to not sin. And I'm just like, yeah, it doesn't matter though. Our God is a holy God. You have to be holy and righteous if you're going to go to heaven. You've got to be. But, but I'm, not, I'm, not perf- I'm not perfect, but I'm, I'm a pretty good person. It doesn't matter. God demands and requires that you be perfect. Okay, now you're really freaking me out. <laughs> so we got to have the conversation. And I, and I know I shared it with you, but this is with another guy. But I just said the misconception when it comes to Christianity, it comes to the world is this. <laughs> we think that God is sending us to hell because we are sinners. God is not sending us to hell because we're sinners. Did you guys get that? Uh-oh. Hang on. Before you walk out mad, let me finish. Martin Luther said something that absolutely revolutionized it for the first time. For me, the first time I heard it. Martin Luther, the reformer, Martin Luther, comes and says, God is not hostile to sinners. He's hostile to unbelievers. You are not going to hell because you sin. You are going to hell because you don't believe. You see that? This is in essence the gospel family. This is why when I preach, I'm not trying to help you to come up with ideas in order to keep you from sinning. Oh, I'm not saying go out and sin. But what I'm saying is the point of everything is I'm trying to increase our faith. I'm trying to increase our faith so that we believe. I'm going to go to heaven because I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, I will have life in His name. Because if you believe in Jesus today, the blood of Christ has fallen from heaven upon you and washed you whiter than snow. Do not call unclean what God has made clean. And God has cleaned you so much that when you come up and you stand before him, when you are covered with the blood of Christ, he is going to say, perfect. Come and enter the heavenly rest. It's not because of what we've done. It's because of what he did. This is the good news, family. It is not up to you. It's up to Christ. And Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus died for the sheep. Jesus died for the many. And you know what? Well, Shane, how do we know that it actually even worked? Like, did Jesus' death actually pay for our sins? Absolutely. How do you know that? Go look at his grave. Is he in there? No, he's not. And the Bible makes it very clear. We know that Jesus' sacrifice was accepted by God because Jesus rose from the grave. 
Oh, family, this is awesome. By his wounds, we are healed. The promises continue. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's salvation for us today. There's life for us today. We don't have to be afraid. He called you brother. He calls us brothers and sisters. That means we are children of God. And if we are children of God, we are co-heirs with Christ. So you know what that means? It means all of us here today, Christian, you are a king and you are a queen in the kingdom of heaven. In the life that's real. In the life that matters. In the life that's forever. And though our real life in Christ is now veiled, one day we will be revealed when Jesus comes. And when he comes, we are going to share, share in his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. And may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.